How many of you have ever noticed that sometimes electronics don't work like electronics are supposed to? Well, this is one of those moments. And uh, I'm glad our God doesn't depend upon electronics to make things happen. We're going to invite you as we're just kind of biding our time for a few moments. If you'd get up and go around and greet one another in the joy of the Lord this morning, just go pray for one another, greet one another. If you're new, uh, you're only a, a guest one time, then you're part of the family. So let's get up and greet one another in the joy of the Lord. And we'll call you back to order in just a couple moments here. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, sir. Top of the morning. The word says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so excited to see everyone here today. It, I love Sundays. They brighten up my week and give it a fresh start. 
Um, if you want to join me in standing for worship today, yes, we can get things kicked off.
guests today if you you can have a seat <laughs> if you're a guest with us today uh, mark will be walking down and back up the aisle and uh, he'll be offering you an information sheet um, fill it out and place it in one of the bins at the back of the service or up here and uh, that way we can just be in contact with you um, also at the end of service we have a gift for you so if you're a guest with us welcome to Trinity make sure to fill out that card uh, yesterday, yesterday we had our uh, monthly food distribution, and we had hundreds come out um, that we were able to bless and, um, you know, just glorify the name of Jesus with them. If you were a volunteer and helped us out yesterday and braved that cold weather, thank you for doing so. We couldn't do it without you guys. These, these little foldable things, they're called bulletins. Um, they have information about the church in them and our upcoming events. So, and I'm, I'm sure that you guys receive them every week. So if, if you miss something, they're right here. All you have to do is read. That is, that is on you. So I encourage you to please, please, please read through your bulletins. Miss Linda works very hard on these every week. And um, I mean, it's there, so just read it. After the altar call today, and as pastor always says, after the what? Okay, so don't be leaving because I know, you know, 
you can't deal with that with me, but the Lord might have some words for you if you dip out to go get some food. So after the altar service, please um, go out to the barn. We have some leftover food that you can take with you and either keep it for yourself or give out to others. Um, now, if you will stand with me so we can enter back into a time of praise and worship.
we need to do something about it. I need my deacons to gather quickly, right over here, right here, gentlemen. I'm going to send them down. Pastor Jeff and the deacon, I'm going to send them down the center aisle and the side aisles. I'm going to have them have anointing oil on their hands. And I want you and the both ends to reach out, get some anointing oil and pass it to the next person. You may be the one who needs a healing today. The person you hand off to, he may be, or she may be, from heaven. He's the same God. Amen. He's the same God. Father, I pray that as we use the symbol of the Holy Spirit oil, that Father, you will touch down, meet needs in this place today. We're going to continue to have the worship team lead us in singing that he's the same God so take the anointing oil touch it to your hand and then pass to those in your aisle on both sides brethren did you get oil
lives and reaches those who are watching on live stream to touch them as well. I pray it in Jesus' name. some electronic help today. I'm not trying to overstate this, but there has been a war on, a battle to not have this message preached today. <clears throat> I've just lost my voice this morning. I, it was fine. But if you can handle a gravelly-voiced preacher this morning, we're going to try and preach the word to you. You pray for me. You pray for me. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> this past week, I was—I told the folks Wednesday night, I, uh, <clears throat> I had been musing over this mini-series of messages and had gotten the entire sermon ready to go when an electronic blip hit my computer and erased the whole thing. I was ready to say, well... Let's do another message. Uh, but know that the Lord wants this message preached, these series of messages. And I'm just asking your indulgence. And then this morning, I mean, my voice was fine all the way through Sunday school and all the way up until about five minutes ago. <clears throat> and it's gone. So we'll pray it comes back a little bit here. But over the next several weeks, we want to look at kind of a strange series called Lessons from a Dead Man. We're going to be looking at Lazarus and some of the things that are in the story, but sometimes we miss. As I was reading and preparing, there's a lot of people who do not believe the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But there are some serious lessons to be learned from this fellow called Lazarus who died and was brought back to life again by Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Would you stand with me as I read God's word today in honor and respect because the author is in the house today. Amen. <clears throat> Turn to John chapter 11, please. John chapter 11. I'm going to begin reading with verse number one. Now a certain man was sick, 
Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary <coughs> who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Father, bless your word. Help us, I pray right now, to get some lessons from a dead man. I pray it in the name of the one who raised him, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open to this portion of God's Word. <clears throat> Over the next several weeks, we want to delve deeper into Lazarus, his life, his death, his family, his relationship with Jesus, and everything that surrounds this miraculous event. But the very first question question we want to try to pose today is, Lazarus, who? There are two individuals in the Bible with the name of Lazarus. And you say, well, it's pretty obvious they're two different people. Yes, it's obvious. Because in the Bible, the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. But that doesn't stop idiots from trying to mess with the truth. Liberal theologians and so-called Bible scholars have long questioned the Lazarus story in John 11 for several reasons. First of all, they don't believe in the supernatural. They don't believe that there is the possibility of raising someone who was dead to life again. They don't believe that the Word of God is infallible, that it's true, but that you can manipulate it around because it's really just a set of folklore stories from Jewish people and not to be taken literally or seriously. They're dead wrong. They're dead wrong. And they, they reject any time that Jesus is shown in his divinity as the Son of God. They want to keep Jesus totally human. 
I've read numerous books and articles by these type of individuals. And they come in all shapes and sizes. Some who have huge followings today on television and other formats who tell us that it's not really important if there was an Adam, an Eve, a Moses, a Jonah, because these stories are mere illustrations and not meant to be taken seriously. These people have millions of followers who if asked, are you a Bible-believing Christian? Oh, yes. But it's not this Bible. They want to pick and choose. They do not believe that Jesus was anything more than just a really nice guy. But the Bible that we believe, that we read, that we study, that we stand upon, proclaims that yes, he did become fully human. He was able to hunger and thirst and be weary. But he was no ordinary man. He was the incarnate son of the living God. His name is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, and he was supernatural. And all the miracles that are ascribed to him really did happen. In my readings this past week, I don't recommend you read any of the things I read. <laughs> because they're suggesting that the story in Luke 16 of Lazarus the beggar who died is really what happened. And that in that story, this beggar died, a rich man died, the beggar's comforted, the rich man's in hell, and the rich man asked Lazarus, send, asked Abraham, send Lazarus back, and Abraham said, no way, Jose. Literally, well, no. <laughs> no way. If they didn't believe the prophets, they're not going to believe someone, even though he was brought back to life again. They said that the John 11 Lazarus is just a folklore story because who can raise the dead? Now, to get this out of the way with and put this stupidity to rest, I want to give you seven reasons why the Lazarus in Luke 16 is not the same Lazarus we're going to be studying about in John chapter 11. You okay? The first reason is the same name doesn't mean the same person. The same name doesn't mean the same person. We know that here at Trinity quite well. We have several Jameses. We have Pastor Jamie, we have Jim Moran, we have Jim Mullins, we got all kinds of Jims floating around. 
And Mary Lou and Carissa are not confused about which one is theirs, right? They're not the same guy. Jamie, Pastor Jamie and Jim Mullins are not the same guy, and the loud scream was heard from Mary Lou. Amen! <laughs> and an even louder scream was from Carissa saying, No way, that's my man. The children at church are not confused by two men having the same name. Not one of his children have walked up to Jim and said, Dad, well, you got the same name. No, it's a ludicrous assumption of the liberals that having the same name means you're the same person. The Bible is clear that there were many people that had same or similar names, but they're not the same person. We know of at least two Sauls, one in the Old Testament, one in the New, and they certainly were not the same guy. Four Jameses, five Simon slash Simeons, and a whole slew of Marys. They were all individuals, they were all unique unto themselves, and they all had their own story in the Word of God. The second reason that the Lazarus of Luke 16 and the Lazarus we're going to study about in John chapter 11 are not the same person in the Lazarus of Luke 16 was a homeless beggar. But the Lazarus of John 11 was a homeowner in a prestigious suburb of Jerusalem. I mean, do any of you have difficulty discerning the difference between a homeless person and somebody who lives in Upper Arlington? Or, or Dublin, or Hilliard, wherever. Bethany was a wealthy suburb of Jerusalem, about two miles out. I've been there. We find historically that Bethany was the kind of the suburban area that many of the priests and scribes and Pharisees and chief priests would live there rather than live in the hustle and bustle of the city of Jerusalem. It was a beautiful setting. You had a yard. There are no yards in Jerusalem. They could have livestock. You don't have that in Jerusalem. And so this was a prestigious upper crust subdivision, not a homeless shelter. They're different men with different stories. The third reason the Lazarus of Luke 16 is different from the Lazarus of John 11 is that in Luke 16 he was hungry and hoping for crumbs to fall off the table of the rich man. But the Lazarus in John 11 has two sisters who cook for him and even host gatherings where all the disciples are fed and dined with them. 
Fourthly, the Lazarus of Luke 16 has no one but the dogs to care for him and lick his wounds. But our Lazarus in John 11 has loving sisters and a town full of friends. Fifthly, the Lazarus of Luke 16 was treated terribly and suffered, while the Lazarus of John 11 is surrounded by a village of, who respect and love him. The Lazarus of Luke 16 is simply buried. No watch, no wake, no mourners. But Lazarus of John 11 is, be, is mourned for several days before Jesus arrives, and the cry of their mourning could be heard as Jesus approached. And finally, the Lazarus of Luke 16 doesn't come back from the dead. But glory be to God, the Lazarus of John 11 heard the cry of Jesus at the side of the hill, and they rolled the stone back, and that same Lazarus who died four days before is brought out by the sheer power of the voice of Jesus Christ. And I have good news. We're all going to rise one day with the voice of Jesus Christ. Well, we know who this Lazarus wasn't. He wasn't in Luke 16, but who was he? What do we know about this Lazarus? We first of all know in verse 1, this man became sick. This Lazarus of Bethany. This Lazarus who had a sister, Mary, and a sister, Martha. This Lazarus from a wealthy suburban area. You know, sickness doesn't play favorites. It doesn't matter who you are. Sickness can come. Diseases can come. Being someone who loves the Lord does not make us immune to the attacks of the enemy. There are false teachers with false doctrines that would tell you that if you're living righteously, nothing bad or unrighteous can happen to you. They neglect to read the whole book. They reject the reading of the book of Job, that this was a godly man and God is the one testifying about him. He's a righteous man. He loves me. He serves me. He follows me, and he even holds him up to the devil as an example of a righteous person. But there is a devil. There is an enemy of every person on planet Earth, whether you're saved or lost, or you're righteous or unrighteous. You have an enemy, and I have an enemy who wants to seek ways to destroy and pervert us away from the cause of Christ. Lazarus, as good a man as he was, as righteous a man as he was, as wealthy a man as he was, as revered in his community as he was, still became sick. Friend, I want to tell you something. 
Don't allow the lies of the enemy to make you think you're a second-class citizen if sickness hits your doorstep. I believe every one of us has some loved ones who were righteous with God but have gone on home to meet him. And I've, I've seen people with the guilt, well, why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did the other happen? The news is, if they knew Jesus, they are not complaining today. If they knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you're not going to hear one grumble from them. Because at the moment of death, they were ushered into the presence of Almighty God, and they're rejoicing in a new body. They've got a song to sing that the angels can't sing. They were lost, and now they're found. They were dead. Now they're spiritually alive forever and ever. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death. No more discouragement. No more despair. They're where they want, want to be. Don't allow the devil and his entrapments to dissuade you and to think that you must have done something wrong to be sick. But on the flip side, don't forget to realize that though the righteous suffer, we do not weep over them as those who have no hope. If you're sick, but you're not certain of your relationship with Jesus Christ, my friend, today is the day, and now is the hour. Because everyone's going to die, just like Lazarus of Luke 16, and just like Lazarus, of John 11, and just like everybody else in the Old Testament and the New Testament, save just a couple, are going to die. It's not about the death. That's, death is not the defining aspect of your life. It's a decision you make to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And death is taken off the table. We may physically not be around here, but we're going to be around someplace. We're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. We're going to be shouting. How many can get some shout on today knowing this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. There's laid up for me a, a place beyond the blue. I'm going home one day to be with my Savior. We know about Lazarus, even though he was a righteous man, he became ill. He became progressively worse and worse. He was getting bad, and Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. Now, Jesus was not any place close to Bethany when he got the word. If you read the scriptures, you'll find out Jesus was over 70 miles away on the other side of the Jordan River where John used to baptize people. Down by Jericho, 
70 miles from Bethany. And as I was reading this, I got a whole other message that I can't preach this morning. We wouldn't get out of this first point, but uh, I want you to notice something. In the story that we just read from John 11, Jesus was a little, the disciples were a little leery to have Jesus go back to Judea, to the area of Bethany, because the Pharisees and scribes and chief priests were hunting Jesus down to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. And if we'd have read a little bit farther this morning, one of the disciples says, well, let's go with him. We might as all well die. He's a, one of the optimistic disciples. Uh, you know, well, might as well go there and die too. Jesus is 70 miles away. And as I'm reading this, I said, wow. The Jews who wanted to kill Jesus couldn't find him. But two women who needed Jesus had no trouble finding him. You hear what I'm saying? Hear what the word is proclaiming. There's all kinds of people that want to hunt down Jesus to do harm of him. Well, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? They're not really looking. They want to bring him down. But I've got good news, child of God. If you know him and you have a need and there's something in your life that only Jesus can handle, God can help you find this one called Jesus and get you to where he is and get word to him. Oh, my goodness. You say, well, they could have just gone on Instagram. They could have, uh, they could have just FaceTimed him, and they could, have, they could have sent an email. I want to tell you something. It was tough. But those two sisters knew where to send somebody to get to Jesus, get word to him. And they, from the timing of the story, when the messengers left is when Lazarus died. They hadn't even reached Jesus yet. They had a message for him. But by the time they got there, it was already, he was already dead. I don't want to stay too long at this location, but I want you to know, if you need Jesus to invade your situation today, you can find Jesus today. Jesus is available. He is not hiding himself from you. The world may be saying, well, we want to see this, we want to see that. They're not looking for him. They're just looking for a show. But I've got good news, child of God. If you've got a need, can I see any hands? You've got a situation, can I see any hands? You've got a problem, can I see some hands? 
You've got a lack. There's some problem with your provision. There's a problem in your home. There's a problem at work. There's a problem with your family. I've got good news. You can get in contact with Jesus. And Jesus knows the true situation of what's going on. Those who are watching on live stream, I want to let you know, you can contact Jesus right now, right where you are. You say, but I, I you know, I can't get to church. I, I'm physically unable. Jesus is able to meet you where you are right now. There's a whole message right there, but we're going to have to leave it for a little while, let you roll it around in your hearts. The Jews who wanted to kill Jesus couldn't find him, but two sisters who loved their brother found Jesus on the other side of the Jordan, 70 miles away. Psalm 119 and 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119 goes on in verse 9 and following. Can a young, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. If you want to find Jesus today, you can find him. If you want to find Jesus, you can find him. I don't want to hear about it. Well, you know, I, I, I asked the Lord to uh, make himself real to me. No, you just ask Jesus to meet with you. And he has the capacity. He may seem like he's a long way off, but he's just a prayer away. Amen. He can meet you today. You can have a life-changing experience this very moment. You can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You can call upon the name of the Lord and the Lord can step in to your situation with all full power and authority and might and healing and virtue and transform your life. There's not a one that's listening to these words today that can't get a hold of Jesus right now. You remember old Hannah in the Old Testament? She's wanting to get a hold of the Lord to help her with the situation. She has no children. And she is so overwhelmed by this. She goes to the temple, the tabernacle rather, and she is, she's, her lips are moving, but no sound's coming out. And Eli, the high priest, who was a mess himself, but Eli... Just having a religious position doesn't make you righteous. I better leave that one alone. I better walk away from that one while I still can. Eli looks at her and says, Oh, get out of here, you drunk old woman, babbling around. She says, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to God. And God heard her prayer, even though Eli couldn't. 
been talking to the wrong people. You need to talk to Jesus. He will hear you. <clears throat> he will hear your heart cry. And he can make himself real to you. Well, I said I wasn't going to spend any time there, but I hung around way too long. <laughs> I, sorry, my bad. If you truly want to find Jesus, you can find him today. What else do we know about this Lazarus of John 11? We know that he lived in a real nice suburb. He had a home. He was a homeowner. He had sisters. He had friends in the community. He became ill. Also says he was a friend of Jesus. Woo. Verse 11 says, these things he said, after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. We'll get there in a couple weeks, but he called him his friend. Jesus called him. Don't get ahead of my message, sister. Don't, don't mess with my message. You may be anointed, but my message is going to continue. The word there is philios in, in the Greek. It means a close like a brother. You know, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. They didn't see our Philadelphia, did they? But, but, but philios, close brother. I've been privileged to have some fantastic friends in my life. Many of you know my dear friend who's gone on to be with the Lord, Dwight Romy. Oh, what a good friend he was. Sherm Garrett, good longtime friend, Fran. My dear buddy, Paul Wright, Pastor Wright from east side of the state. Good friends. I could, I could call them anytime. And it was like no time had passed. We commune as friend with friend. We were close. There'd be times where the Lord would prompt me and I'd make a phone call to him and say, oh, I, I, I needed to talk to you today. Friends, close. A bond that's unbreakable by time or space or distance. Jesus said, our friend is sick. Our friend. You have some good friends. You are a very fortunate person. The Bible says that if you want to have a friend, you've got to show yourself friendly. That's in Proverbs 18. 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But then he goes on, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Lazarus and Jesus were friends. They had a close relationship. We're not given all the details, and I think there's a, a great reason for that. 
Sometimes people want to manipulate situations and make a pattern out of it, a model out of it. Well, if you do this and this and this and this and this, then just said he was his friend. Jesus was a friend of Lazarus, and Lazarus considered Jesus his friend. Even though Jesus could not spend a long time with Lazarus, we know that on occasion he would visit him. And it was just like nothing had transpired before or after that. They were friends right there. Jesus called him friend. You remember what the scripture says? Jesus said, there's no greater love than you lay down your life for a friend. And then he pointed at the crowd and says, you're my friend. And he was pointing at people he was going to lay down his life for. And if Jesus had his finger extended in this house today, he would point to each one of you, I'm your friend because I'm going to lay down my life for you. What a friend. Our sister stole my thunder, but, you know, that's okay. I want to tell you the story about that song. The year is 1844, and the place is Ireland. You'll forgive me. I have a tendency to go off into an Irish brogue when I tell the story. Everything is going well for this young man. <clears throat> His name is Joseph Scriven. He has just graduated from the university and has returned back to his home village in Ireland. He came back and immediately was engaged to his childhood sweetheart. The wedding date had been set, and one week before the wedding, they were going to meet for a picnic lunch out where the road intersects by a little babbling brook, a nice little picnic-y setting. He was delayed. She arrived earlier on horseback. Something spooked the horse. She was thrown. She hit her head on rocks in the stream and drowned. He was the first one on the scene to discover his fiancée, scheduled to be married next week, as he pulled her lifeless body from the stream. He cried out. He said, the bottom of my world has just fallen apart. But in his time of hopelessness, he, he reached out to the Lord. You see, Jesus is findable no matter how low, how tragic the circumstance. Sometimes people run from God in difficult times, but my friends, as we talked a few weeks ago, there's a big difference between running from something and running to someone. He got closer to the Lord. And after a year, he 
decided he was going to leave. There were too many memories around there. Every time he rode his horse by that spot, he was reminded. And so he told his family, his mother was still there, uh, I'm going to go over to Canada. I'm going to start a new life in Canada. And so he traveled to Canada. And there he found a job, a good job. But his real source of strength was the fact that he determined he was going to be a friend to people. He was going to help out people who couldn't help themselves. He settled, <laughs> interestingly enough, in a place called Port Hope. And he would only help those who didn't have the resources to help themselves. He would use all the resources from his, his daily workaday job to help people. He was a skilled carpenter. He could do all kinds of things. And one time a person was saying, oh, is that, is that Joseph Scriven? Yes. He says, boy, I hear he's an excellent craftsman. I'd like to hire him to do some work at my, my home. And the person said, you can't hire him. He only works for free. And he only works for those who can't pay him. He was known as the Good Samaritan of Port Hope. He's been doing this for 40 years in Port Hope when he found a, a new love of his life. He met a young lady named Eliza. They were engaged to be married and one week before the wedding she came down with pneumonia and died. Two events unbelievable. He was crushed. He was despondent. And he wrote to his mother in Ireland a poem that he said the Lord gave him when he was beside the deathbed of Eliza. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins, griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. I don't know. Do we have that? Is it there? Is anybody there? I can't see anybody back there. Are we going to play that song? I can't see your faces, so let me know. If not, we'll sing it a cappella. Now, some people may be offended by this. The, the song that I'm, they're queuing up for us is Southern. How many have some roots down south? How many of you, we're talking down home. And I'm not ashamed of my roots. I say ain't. Anybody here say ain't? Well, my grandmother was so far south, she said ain't. I can't see, gentlemen, if you're going to do it or not. You got it? Do it. Well, why don't you join, stand with me? 
Sing that old song along with Guy Penrod. Crank it up. It's down south. What a friend we have Jesus. All our sins and griefs to cover. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forget. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not care. Trials and temptations. Is there trouble anywhere? We need never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. you are you say well well what do you have to do you just have to be because he said I'm a friend I'll lay down my life for you and he laid down his life for all of us amen he counted people friends that didn't friend him back in the garden of Gethsemane when Judas comes up to him and wants to embrace him, 
Jesus said, friend, what are you doing here? There's never a person on this planet that Jesus wasn't, doesn't want to be a friend to because he's died for every one of us. You will never meet a person that Jesus doesn't want to befriend. There's one final thing on this week's lesson on lessons from a dead man. Not only was Lazarus a friend, not only was he sick, not only were the sisters able to find Jesus when nobody else could, not only was he from a place called Bethany, but he loved Lazarus as his friend. John 11 and 3 says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And it wasn't just a superficial thing. In the 35th and 36th verse, when Jesus comes to the place that Lazarus has been entombed, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. Not only will you never meet a person that Jesus didn't die for, you will never meet a person Jesus doesn't dearly love. And he wants to show his compassion to. I want you to just bear with me for a second because Jesus is moved with compassion. If you want to do an interesting study, look at all the places. I'm just going to mention a few where it says that Jesus was moved with compassion or great love. I'm going to read these and then we're going to open this altar in just a moment. Would you stand with me for this reading? I'm going to read it. You can jot it down later and find these places. Do your own study. But in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 and following, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every healing, every sickness and every disease among the people, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He shows compassion to the weary. He shows compassion to the disenfranchised like sheep with no shepherd. Matthew 14, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. He loves you. He's moved with compassion, and he's able to heal today. Matthew 15, 32. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. He's moved when we have needs, when we're hungry, and we've been faithful. Matthew 20, 20 and 33, they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus 
body before you leave.